Amen. In the Psalms, I've, I've decided uh, to, uh, after t- talking this out with the Lord a little bit, I've decided to take uh, various chapters from the book of Psalms. And if you've never really read the book of Psalms, I really want to encourage you to do so. Uh, because what I love about the Psalms is uh, a lot of them are huge expressions of worship to God, okay? But a lot of them are also (laughs) major gut-level honesty uh, to God about what people like David was feeling at the time. And it's, it's it's, it's pretty honest. It's pretty blunt, in fact, I dare say there's some prayers that are prayed in the book of Psalms that some of us might be afraid to pray ourselves, and we'll probably take a look at some of those in this series. Today, as you might have guessed, uh, we are going to uh, have communion at the end of the service. There is a communion packet on your chair. If you did not see one as you sat down, chances are you've made a mess, uh, and uh we try, we try to put up signs. Uh, so hang on, hang on to that communion packet for the end of the service. Um, I want to direct your attention today to Psalm chapter 51. Can you do that? Psalm chapter 51. I want to talk about the forgiveness that we receive from the Lord. How many of you are thankful for the Lord's forgiveness? Can you say amen? And uh, the, the author of this particular psalm, and some of you may not know this, but uh, David is not the only author of the psalms that we have. Uh, and, and you'll see, that there's, there are various authors, but this one's written by David. And this one, this one is written at a very low point for David. David has just been confronted by the prophet Nathan about a particular sin that he committed. And the story is told, and we'll get to that in 1 Samuel, or 2 Samuel, I should say, where David uh, had an affair. And uh, he, he was very much attracted to Bathsheba and had this affair with her And not only that, but he got her pregnant. And not only that, but then he had her husband eventually killed. Yep, that's the man after God's own heart right there. Well, you think you've done some bad stuff. And David prayed this prayer. Once he was finally confronted with the honesty and the seriousness of his sin, he prayed this prayer, create in me a clean heart, a pure heart. Forgive me, Lord. And I want to talk about the act of forgiveness that God gives us so mercifully, so graciously, and we're going to tie that in with the Lord's Supper, because there was no greater act of grace and mercy than the cross of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? 
So I'm going to invite you, if you're able to, to stand with me in, the, in honor of God's Word as we read Psalm 51. We're going to start in verse 7. Now I'm going to cover pretty much the whole chapter, but we'll just start with verse 7 and read to verse 12. Okay? Y'all ready? If you don't have your Bible, you can follow along with me on the screen. Here we go. David prays his prayer. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Create in me a pure heart. Jesus, um, we're going to take a look at a couple of truths that many of us have heard over and over. But God, I pray that we would hear them in a different way this morning. And God, if any of us need your forgiveness, I pray that we would ask and know that that act of mercy is right there for us. God, help us to come to terms with where we stand with you today. And Lord, change us before we leave here. And it's in your name that we ask all this, Jesus, and we all said amen. Amen. You may be seated. Create in me a pure heart. Created me a clean heart. Donna, it's yours. Just keep it. So, okay. We lost one camera. Let's not worry about it. We'll just do these two cameras here. Okay? We're good. Or we'll sell that one on eBay. That'd be even better. All right. Um, let's get back here. Okay. There are two incredibly important truths that I want to share with you today. Two huge truths that uh, I think that we need to uncover this morning. And I want to share them with you today. Um, and I got to be honest with you, uh, this, won't be, this won't be one of my more fancier written sermons, but I'm telling you, as I was digging into this, it was pretty wild what we what I found, what the Holy Spirit showed me. In a passage, by the way, that I have read a gazillion times. And by the way, that's the power of God's Word. Did you know that? It's like, well, I've read that before. Well, read it again. See, because God can say something new to you through a verse that you have read over and over throughout your entire life. That was free. So here we go. There are two truths that I want to give you here today. Here's the first one. You ready? The first one is this. Truth number one. We are more sinful than we could ever imagine. How many of you are encouraged by that today? <laughs> but it's important, it's important that we come to grips with this. Because I've, when I've tried to share my faith, maybe if you've been in that situation, you've encountered this too. When I have tried to share my faith with somebody and, and somebody says, I really, you know, I don't think I've ever done anything really wrong. I think I'm good. I think I'm okay. 
Let me point out today that the Bible clearly says in Romans 3.23, and I'm including myself in this, all of us have sinned and we've come short of the glory of God. So every single one of us has sin in our lives. That's why we desperately need a Savior. That's why we desperately need forgiveness. And so, and, and so you may want to write this down. You may want to take a picture of this, but we are more sinful than we could ever imagine. It's our nature. It's who we are. It, we, huh, we're a mess. Some of us more than others, but we're a mess. We're more sinful than we could ever imagine. The question is, what happens if we ignore this truth? What happens? If we ignore this truth, if, 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 we, if we are not coming to grips with the sin that's in our lives, what happens? Let me show you. Uh, I, I'm going I'm oh, to be all over the place today. I was gone a week, so here we go, okay? Here we go. Number one, ready? Uh, what happens when we ignore this? We, we will try to hide our sin. If, if we ignore the fact that we are a sinful people, then we will do our best to try to hide our sin. And you will not find that more clearly demonstrated, although it's demonstrated all over the Scripture, but you will not find that more clearly demonstrated than 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12, the story of David and Bathsheba. Wow. David tried to, instead of dealing with his sin... David tried his best to cover it up. So he, he, he tried to set it up. After, after he found out that he got the woman pregnant, then he tried to set it up to make it look like Bathsheba's husband had gotten her pregnant. So he's given her some free time. Say, hey, you know, dinner's on me. There you go, you know. And, 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 and Uriah, he was just committed to his task of being a soldier. And then finally, it got to the point where David gave direct orders that Uriah was supposed to go to the most uh, intense part of the battle and kind of be on his own, and then he, he died. Do, do you know what happens when we try to hide our sin? People get hurt. People get hurt. When we, don't with, when we don't deal with our sin properly, then pain follows. People get hurt. People are harmed by those bad decisions. I got to hurry because there's so much I got to share with you here today. I promise I'll get you out by three. Here we go. Secondly, so we try to hide our sin. Uh, next, uh, if we're not honest about our sinfulness, we will feel dirty. We'll feel dirty. Verses 3 and 5 of the text that we just read. Look, or actually the chapter, but here's verses 3 and 5. David said, For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Verse 5. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time that my mother 
conceived me. See, here's the deal. When we try to hide our sin, that just lingers. It's like a residue. And we feel dirty. I worked out in the yard yesterday. Well, I worked outside in the yard. Let's, let's clarify that. I did not work out. I worked outside <laughs> in the yard. Okay. Big difference. And, uh, and, and I, had, I had the weed whacker going on. And I was on a mission from God, folks. I've got this, I got this ditch. Uh, they call it a devil strip up here. I don't know. We call it a ditch in Illinois. But if you want to ascribe satanic per- values to your ditch, you go right ahead. So we got this ditch. And I got these tall weeds that our township's supposed to cut. They've really got long. So I thought, I'm going to do this. And so I got the weed whacker and I man i am just and you know what was wild i mean i was getting the job done okay don't get me wrong okay i'm i'm good at whacking weeds spiritual gift but but as i'm doing that like all the like all the funk it's like all over me it's like oh yeah and and i was supposed to meet my wife uh right after that i thought oh oh this big boy ain't gonna meet his wife without getting a shower first, because it was just, bleh. it was gross. <laughs> it's like, I dare not touch the furniture. I mean, it was, it, was that, it was just leaves, weeds, sweat all over me. And you know what? That's the residue that sin leaves us when we try to hide it. And we feel dirty. See, because we're not wired, we're not wired to manage our sin. We are wired to confess our sin. I'll get to that more in a little bit. Thirdly, not only do we hide our sin? Not only do we feel dirty, uh, third, uh, we tend to hate life. I'm being brutally honest today. When we don't come to grips with the truth of our sin, what happens, our outlook on life can get real negative. Verses 3 and 4 say, when I kept silent, talk about a bad day. My bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. This is David's reaction not to running a 5K, (laughs) or in my case, running to the fridge. But, But this is David's reaction to his sin. He's saying, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Verse 4, he says, my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. What was he? He was miserable. And that will affect the rest of your life. If we don't come to grips with where we stand with our sin, this is the result. Can I remind you that this is King David? Can I remind you this is the giant slayer? Can I remind you this is the worshiper? This is the one that was anointed to become the king. This is God's chosen vessel. This is the man who is a man after God's own heart, but this was a man who seriously had to deal with a sin issue in his life. Next, not only will we hate life, secondly, we tend to worship because we have to. When we don't deal with our sin properly, when we're not honest about our sin, what happens? We tend to worship, but we do it because we have to. Throughout the 150 chapters in the book of Psalms, 
there are a select few. The fancy word, you ready for this fancy word? Impress your friends. They're, pe- they're, they're called penitential psalms. They're, they're psalms that deal with asking forgiveness of sin. Psalm 51 that we're in is one of those. Here's another one of those. Psalm chapter 32. Verse 9 says, Do not be like the horse or the mule. <laughs> That's somebody's life verse today. Uh, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. And, and I've seen people, when they, when they don't deal with the honesty of where they stand with God, the honesty of their sin, and, and see, it's one thing for the unchurched person to have a sin issue. They walk into a place like this, they don't get it. It's like, what, who are they singing to? You know, what, what's going on here? But when you are around God, and then you're dealing with a sin issue, you know what happens? Your worship is more from your head than it is your heart. See, some of us really know how to look the part because we've been raised in it. And I'm exhibit A, by the way. I'm a church brat. Grew up in church. I knew when it was time to stand up and sit down and fight, fight, fight. I I knew. I knew when we had hymnals. I, I I was pretty good at name the hymn when they would just throw the number out. Right? 240, victory in Jesus. You know, you know how it goes. So I was raised in church. Church services all the time. We went to church, get this, not, not once a month. We went to church three times a week. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. If there is revival, Monday and Tuesday, we throw those in. If the revival got good, Thursday, Friday. How many of you know what I'm talking about here? Okay, okay, okay. So, so for those of us who have grown up in church, and then when we are not honest with the sin issue and our relationship with sin, you know what happens? Our, our worship gets affected negatively. And we could sing the songs, but it might as well be karaoke. We could sing the songs, but it's all from here. It's all from a screen, and it's not from my heart. How many of you understand what I'm saying? And so we end up worshiping, not because we want to, but because we have to. It changes our worship. Number five, we lose our love for unbelievers. Paul gave this encouragement to the Christians in Rome. In Romans 15, verses 1 and 2, he said, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak, not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good, to build them up. We should bear with the failings of the weak. When we don't deal with sin properly, when we have a distorted view of where we stand with the sin picture, then our view of the lost 
will be totally distorted. Why? Because they might be caught up in the same thing that you're caught up in. And if there's a need for them to get right, then there's a need for you to get right. And so if you don't want that to take place, then your passion for unbelievers will change. Number six, we will lose, I'm sorry, we will hurt God's family. We hurt God's family. <laughs> Told you I grew up in church. Had a really, really bad experience on one unfortunate evening after a basketball practice. Uh, my family and I lived out in the country. And so we would take these country roads from my school to go home. Mom decided to take a shortcut and parked on the side of the road. I don't think I've ever told this story. Uh, parked on the side of the road were two vehicles. Um, a woman in our church, and the other car belonged to my youth pastor. And you can imagine what was going on. And... They thought that everything was cleverly hidden and nobody would know. And there, before my eyes, I saw my hero having an affair with a married woman in our church. The residue of that, the impact of that, not only hit me, but then when he had to step down, how that affected so many people in the family of God. And you see, what we, when we don't... You know, we, we saw the example, again, from 2 Samuel 11 and 12 of, of Uriah, Bathsheba's husband. But I, I'm, I'm telling you that when we don't come to grips with this stuff in a biblical way, it could actually impact the body of Christ. Now, this sermon's been depressing so far. <laughs> Good night, everybody. But it's the truth that if we ignore the fact that we are more sinful than we can imagine, then this is the byproduct of that. And it's the, it's the, it's the honesty and the bluntness of the Scriptures. But there's a second truth that you've got to embrace. And that's this. We are more loved than we could ever hope. Oh, here comes the good news. Here comes the good news. You see, if we ignore the fact that we're more sinful than we could ever imagine, there's a lot of negativity. But if we embrace the fact that we are more loved than we could ever hope, what are the results? Well, here's the deal. They are just the opposite of what we just covered. Let me show you. Like, if we, if we ignore the fact that we're sinful, we tend to hide our sin. But 
if we embrace the fact that we are loved more than we could even hope, then what happens, we will actually confess our sin to the Lord. This is how we deal, listen to me, this is how we deal with the sin issue. We don't manage it, we don't play with it, we don't learn how to try to tame it, we don't embrace it, we don't just shut it on and shut it off, we have to confess it and repent of it before God. Look how, look at verses 1 through 4 of this psalm. Again, David says, here's how he does it. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all of my iniquity and cleanse me from sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are right in your verdict and you're justified when you judge. What is David saying? David saying, I am well aware that I have sinned. And, and because of your great love, I'm going to confess that sin to the Lord. I'm reminded from 1 John 1, 9, a scripture that is written to believers and followers of Jesus Christ that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Friend, today, today, if there is sin in your life, Today, if, there, if, if you have succumbed to the temptations that the enemy has thrown your way, I beg of you to follow the example of David. I beg of you to follow the, 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 the leanings of Scripture and confess your sin to the Lord. Don't toy with it. Don't learn to manage it. Don't learn how to... How to in fact, don't give it another name. Don't give it... Just call sin for what it is. Don't give it another... Well, I got a problem. What's your problem? I kill people. Well, that's a problem. You need to deal with that. We don't say that. But for the sins that we tend to enjoy, we don't call them a sin. We call them problems or issues or hang-ups. Let's just call sin for what it is. Because if you give it a different label, then you'll never confess it. You'll try to deal with it, you'll try to manage it, but you'll never confess it. So let's just say, okay, God, uh, this is a sin and I confess it to you. Uh, Secondly, earlier we heard that we would feel dirty. But when you embrace the fact that God loves you more than you can even hope, you feel clean. Some of you know what I'm talking about because you know the freedom. You, you know the freedom of being set free from the guilt and the burden of your sin. It, it, it's, it's like that shower that I took yesterday. It's just like, oh, this feels so much better. And you know what? Spiritually, spiritually, it's the same. God, when I confess this to you, There is a cleansing that takes place. David talked about it in verses 7 and 10 of this chapter. He said, cleanse me with hyssop and I'll be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. You can feel clean today. It doesn't matter what, those of you watching online, it doesn't matter what you've done you can feel clean because you are not damaged goods. 
And listen to me, church, you are not damaged goods. Pastor, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I, 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 ah, I don't care. I care. But it, it doesn't matter because when it's under the blood of Jesus Christ, when Jesus forgives, he forgets. And so you, you are not damaged goods. And let me go further. I don't know who this is for, but your identity is not your past. Oh, man, that's huge. Your identity is not your past. Your identity is found in Jesus Christ and what he thinks of you and what his word says that you are. You cannot change your identity outside of the cross of Jesus Christ. But when you look into the word and when you look to Jesus, then you will find out that you're his child and you are forgiven. You are chosen. You are accepted by him. You are his daughter. You are his son. You are not damaged goods. You are not... I'm a Christian, but with a little star next to it because I've done this. No, you are clean. You are free. And he who the sun sets free is free indeed. Can you say amen to that today? I'm clean. I'm clean. Thirdly, we mentioned you would hate life. But when you come to grips with the love of God, you'll love life. You'll love life. Do you see what's happening? Everything that we brought out by ignoring the whole sin issue, just the opposite takes place when we embrace the truth of God's love. Again, look what David said in verse 8 and verse 12. He said, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you've crushed rejoice. Restore to me, he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Could it be, could it be that for somebody here or somebody watching here today, that the greatest miracle that could take place in your life is for God to restore your joy again? And what's the problem is, oftentimes we try to find our joy in the wrong places. We try to find our joy and our fulfillment from relationship to relationship, from addiction to addiction, from making money to doing this and all that. And, and, and you will never find true joy outside of the arms of Jesus Christ. You never will. Everything else is just a cheap imitation. Everything else is just a cheap imitation. Maybe that is what you need today. Maybe that's the prayer you need to pray today when we have communion. Maybe you need to say, Lord, Lord, forgive me. Oh, but God, just like David prayed, restore my joy again. Restore to me the joy of being saved. Restore to me the joy of my faith in you. Restore to me how happy I was to know that I was a child of God. Restore my joy. Number four, I'm trying to hurry. I, we mentioned, and that means nothing, right? We, we mentioned worship because we have to. But you see, when you come to grips <laughs> with the love of God, we will actually worship God because we want to. See, then it's not just words on a screen. Then the music doesn't have to be perfect for you to be able to worship. Then we don't have to sing your favorite song in order for you to worship God. Then we don't have to pick your favorite artist in order for you to be able to have a Holy Ghost hallelujah. What we can do, 
was I treading too hard on some people's stuff here today? What we can do if we come to grips with the love of God, it could be a guy with an accordion and a woman with a kazoo, and we could still worship Jesus. Now, we're not going to do that, by the way. Why not? (laughs) And we're blessed here, but listen... Folks, I, you've heard me say this before. I've been in some situations. Uh, l- let's just say nobody was trying to uh, hand out recording contracts. Well, one time I was in Central America, and the, the poor girl, I think I've told the story before, the poor girl playing guitar, she only knew one chord. I think it was C. I think it was C. And the song might have been in F. So she was like, and I thought, wow, that's awful. And, uh, but then, but then, but then God, then God kind of hit me. He said, look around, look around you, Phil. And I saw people with their hands raised. I saw people with tears streaming down their face. Not because, not because of how things sounded, but because they came to grips with the love of Jesus. So it didn't matter. It didn't matter what the song was, and it didn't matter how it sounded. All they knew was this I have entered his gates with thanksgiving. In my heart, I have entered his courts with praise. I, 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 I can come into the presence of God, and even if it's just to me, I could give God praise. I could look at the stars, and I could say, Lord, how glorious are you? I could stand on a mountain once I finally get up there. I could stand on a mountain, look at the scenery, and just say, how great is our God. Nobody was behind me going six, seven, eight. That's not what they were doing. I was just able to give God praise. And church, let me tell you, when you really come to grips with the love of God, in the, in, especially through the filter, if you see your, your sin through the filter of God's love, okay, you can't help but get, give God praise. Some of you know, see, because some of you may not even be alive if it wasn't for Jesus Christ. You get it. Church brats like me, sometimes we don't get this. But David, when he prayed this prayer, immediately at the end, at the end of the psalm, look at verse 14. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are God my Savior and my tongue, what, what will I do? My tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit. There's another sermon. A broken and a contrite heart, you, God, will not despise. My natural reaction to the love of God is to praise Him. Has the devil robbed you of your praise? I know I'm lingering on this, but has the devil robbed you of your praise? Perhaps today you need to come to grips with the love of Jesus again. 
I'm talking to people like King David who've been around God for a long time. I'm talking to people like King David. They've seen God slay some giants. They've seen God help you win some battles. You, 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 you've seen all of that. But then, but then sometimes when you come to grips with how profound the love of God is in your life, you can't help but give him praise. I'm going to wrap this up. Next, we will, instead of losing our influence on unbelievers, we can actually influence unbelievers. When we come to grips with the love of God, oh man, I gotta, okay, I gotta put this concisely here. Could it be, could it be that your victory that you're praying for, it's not just about you? In fact, I will tell you, it's never just about you. Look what David, David did not pray this. David did not pray, oh, forgive me, God, so I can, whew, okay, have a, a less of a guilty conscience and uh, we can just get past this, me and you, okay? That's not, look what he prayed. He says, then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. What did David say? David says, I've got a story. And I can influence somebody who needs to know this story. Don't, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Anytime God does something in you, he's not doing it just for you. There's somebody that needs to hear your story. King David said, Lord, forgive me. When you cleanse me, when you do what I'm asking you to do, then I will teach transgressors, sinners, I will teach sinners your ways and sinners will turn back to you. Could it be, could it be that all this struggle, all this guilt that you've been carrying and you thought you were damaged goods and God could never use you, could it be that God could actually use your story to lead somebody to him? Absolutely. Your heart for unbelievers, it intensifies when you come in contact with the love of God. And then finally, you can bless God's family. Instead of hurting it, you can bless it. Jonathan, if you could help me. Verses 18 and 19. David says, May it please you to prosper Zion to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you'll delight in the sacrifices of the righteous. And burnt offerings offered whole, then bulls will be offered on your altar. There's, there's something amazing that happens. You ready for this? There's something amazing that happens corporately when God does something in me individually. Some of you missed that. Let me try this side. But there's something tremendous that happens to us all when God does something special in me individually. It has an impact. That, that's what this is about. It, it's, it's not just about you. It, it, it's about the impact that it has on the body as a whole. 
David wasn't just saying, okay, we good, God, me and you? It wasn't just about me and you. It was about sinners, but it was also about even impacting the worship of other people. There's something powerful when God does his thing in someone's life. And that will have an impact on an entire church. I look around this room. I see the testimonies in here. I see how some of you, man, you were a mess. No offense. But God changed you. He changed you. There's power there. That touches us all. Not just you, it touches all of us. I've seen the addicts set free. I've seen the train wrecks no longer derailed. I've seen families brought together. I've seen people that were just covered in fear walk in the confidence and in the hope of Jesus Christ. That has an impact on all of us. That's what the church is all about. I think the two greatest truths that I could give you as we come to communion are these. We are more sinful than we could ever imagine. But we're more loved than we can ever hope. In spite of my sin, he loves me. In spite of my mistakes, he accepts me. Could I remind you that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for you? He didn't die for a bunch of clean people. He didn't die for a bunch of people that had it all together. He went to that cross because I was a mess. And now, when I make my mistakes, and I make them, how about you? And now when I fall short, and I fall short, how about you? There's a God on the throne. There is a Jesus who is pleading my case to the Father. There is a conviction of his Holy Spirit that draws me closer to him. God is going to great lengths, great lengths, so that I could be in right relationship with him. And what better day than on a day that we eat the bread and drink the cup to come to grips with not only our sin, but the love of Jesus Christ. So we say, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you, Lord God, for your grace. We thank you for your, mis- for your uh, mercy. God, on my own, I, I, am, I fall so short. God, on my own, I, I am just a mess. But, but Lord, you, you take my life and you turn it around. You, you, God, you, you change me. You give me a love for life. You, you, you change my worship. You change my outlook on other people. You, you, you change my outlook on myself. And Lord God, I thank you. And today... We remember you. 
Jesus, we remember your broken body and your shed blood. And we thank you for your forgiveness. I, I, I want you to, I want you just to take this uh, packet and just hold it in your hands for a second. Can you do that, all of us? Some of you have already been opening it because I heard you. Okay. <laughs> Try to be so sneaky. But I want you to hold it in your hands, okay? And just for a few moments, I'm, I'm going to ask you to, uh, to bow your heads and close your eyes. And would you allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart and your mind and your life today? And if there's any sin in your life that you need to confess, we're, we're going to do that, just personally before the Lord. But, but before we say anything to the Lord, we're just going to say, search me. So let's do that. Lord, search us right now. In the quietness of this moment, search us. Search us. God, search my mind. God, search my attitudes. God, if I have unforgiveness in my heart, make that known. Lord, if, if I'm doing things that are contrary to what your word says, Lord, remind me today. Remind me. Not church that on its own, that, that, that's... That's realizing that we are more sinful than what we can imagine. But now, let us, let us know that we are loved more than we could even hope. So now, let's confess those sins to the Lord. Can we do that? And just say, forgive me. Right where you're at. Right where you're at. Forgive me. Forgive me for those words, God. Forgive me for those actions. Forgive me for those things that I've done. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. Forgive me. When my attitude is not where it should be. God, the way that I deal with other people. Lord, the way that I act when I'm away from church. God, forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me, God, and change me. Forgive me. God, I'm loved by you more than I could ever hope. So together, Lord God, we're going to take the bread and the cup. And we thank you for your mercy. I invite you to peel off the very top of your packet, and that's what we have to symbolize the broken body of Jesus Christ. Paul said that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. He gave thanks for it. Jesus gave thanks for it and he broke it. He handed it to his disciples and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. As often as you eat it, you do so in remembrance of me. So together, let's take the bread. And now I invite you to peel back the remaining part of your packet. And again, Jesus said some profound things here 
He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. And as often as you drink it, you do so in remembrance of me. So let's take the cup together. And now, can you give God just a few moments of thanks and praise? Can we do that? You may even want to raise your hands and praise to him. You, you, you may want to just lift up your voice and, and thank him out loud for how good he's been to you and for his grace. Thank him for his goodness compared to our badness. <laughs> Jesus, we love you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you've truly set me free. Thank you, God, that your grace is greater than I could even imagine, Lord. Thank you for your love. Thank you that you accept a sinner like me. Hallelujah. Could we all stand? Can we do that? Hallelujah. Stand amazed. Huh? I want to give you a chance to uh, get alone with the Lord. And, uh, and, and here's why. Some of us, and, and God has forgiven you, Okay. But now some of us need to sit in his presence a little bit and say, okay, God, I got to live this out. So I'm going to be confronted with the same temptations tomorrow that I just prayed about from what I gave into Friday. And so, Lord, I need your help. I need your help. And here's the beautiful thing. He is willing to help you. So I'm going to say a prayer, and Jonathan's going to continue to play, and we'll, we'll just make this a place of prayer, Okay. And if you need to get alone with the Lord, maybe you want to come to an altar and pray. Maybe you want to just sit at your seat or kneel at your seat. However is the most comfortable with you. I want you to talk to the Lord. And if you need his help, ask him. Ask him. And I believe he'll help you. And when you're done with God today and when he's finished with you, feel free. And if you want a fellowship, and man, is this church good at that. If you want a fellowship, let's do so in the lobby so that we don't disturb anybody who might be praying in here okay so jesus i thank you for your love lord this was a different type of message maybe than what we're used to hearing but lord the truth still stands that you lord god love us with a love that is deep and your love is greater than my sin so jesus there are some people here and maybe some folks online we need we need your help now because we got to flesh this out we got to live this out. Some of us, Lord, we need to change how we talk. We need to change where we go. We need to change how we act. We need to change how we react. God, some of us, we just need an attitude change. We need a renewing of our minds. So, Lord, I pray that, that you and your Holy Spirit would touch us in your presence. And, Lord, help us to walk this thing out the rest of this week. And God, I'll thank you and I'll give you praise. Thank you for what you have accomplished this morning in so many lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you need to pray, feel free to do so right now.